Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And this is episode 37 of the RV Miles podcast. To get today's show notes, head over to rvmiles.com slash podcast. You can also follow RV Miles on social media at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to keep up with Jason and I, we are over at ourwanderingfamily.com. And we are also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Pinterest. On this week's episode, we are going to talk all things Albuquerque, New Mexico, including Petroglyph National Monument, which is located right almost downtown. It is down. It, it is, is. In, in town. Wonderful place. Wonderful city. We were really enchanted with Albuquerque. Our entire time in the Albuquerque Santa Fe area was wonderful. Yeah, they totally made the short list. We just left. We did. <laughs> we just Yesterday. left our campground. We were at the Cochiti Lake campground the army corps of engineers campground there and we just left and made a big drive up towards the colorado new mexico border we're near aztec new mexico now and uh boy that was a beautiful drive it was really pretty down i think it was highway 84 but we were also due for maybe a little bit more difficult campground because we've had it pretty pretty good since we got into new mexico and Despite our very best efforts of researching this particular campground, we are without cell service. <laughs> We're at Navajo Lake State Park in yeah. New Mexico State Park. It's a big lake and uh, it has a lot of campgrounds near the lake. We are at a different campground, the Cottonwood Campground, that is away from the lake. It's sort of down the river. And I didn't quite realize how far away from the rest of the campground it was. The rest of the campground, the rest of the park, the camp, other campgrounds in the park uh, seem fairly nice. And this one's nice, too. Yeah, it's fine. The issue with this one is you have to go two miles down a one of the worst dirt washboard roads <laughs> I've ever been on. That road <laughs> was wild. It rattled the bones of Wanderbus. <laughs> For two whole miles. It rattled the bones of all of us in the bus as well. It was, I can't believe they send RVs down that road. And it literally goes right up to the campground. Yes. So if you want to go anywhere, you've got to go back the two miles down the road. We'll deal with it. It's all right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. Still, it's still a nice place here. It's Absolutely. beautiful. I mean, the sunsets are gorgeous. That, Like Gabby was saying, uh, the, the drive was just wonderful up here. We saw all kinds of different mountain formations between probably the prettiest drive we've had since we got into New Mexico. And yeah. that is saying a lot because I feel like we have been praising this state since we arrived 10 weeks and ago. Now we've seen things totally different than we've seen everywhere else in New Mexico, just in this one little drive. Yeah. It's the landscape is definitely changing. And hardly a car around us the whole the whole drive here. No, and definitely miles. not definitely not a car around us when we were, we were on that a uh, single lane dam top of the dam driving. <laughs> we got to, to drive <laughs> across the top of the dam, uh, which is always interesting in a giant school bus towing a car behind you. Yeah, Jack <laughs> just kept saying, "I was literally close to death." I'm like, no, you weren't yeah, close he to death. to say he's inches. He yeah, was he's, inches, he's literally inches. inches and he's like, death. no, I literally was. I looked out the window and could see straight down to the water. <laughs> said, well, yes, okay, we were pretty close to the edge of the road, but your dad had it. He was good. He was good. <laughs> let's just not do it again. <laughs> All right, let's hit the news let's. for this week. We've got a couple of RV Miles news pieces. First of all, there is a new RV Epicure up on the website, and this is a this is a good one. This uh, is a Shepard really good Core one. Did sort of instead of a recipe this week, he did sort of a breakdown of just some different tips and tricks for cooking either in your RV or elsewhere, and just just some just some basic things, some little things that will make your cooking life a little bit easier. Yeah, like for those of us who enjoy a Totino's pizza, yeah. he just threw down the way to make sure you can get that crispy crust inside the RV, which is so funny because he was being kind of sarcastic and making fun of those Totino's pizzas. Because while well, his girlfriend but... <laughs> really loves Totino's pizzas. Hey, she's not alone. And, I love uh, a good Totino's. She's not alone. No, she's Abby not. Abby 
loves <laughs> I if you've never heard of Totinas, these are these they're little they're so rectangular good. single person pizzas. Jason uh, thinks they taste like cardboard, but that's not true. Don't don't listen to that. When people them. say things like Domino's taste like cardboard with ketchup on it, Domino's is like <laughs> It's like a five-star restaurant compared to a frozen Totino's. Heck, a a Jack's frozen pizza is is well well up there above a Totino's. But hey, they're like a dollar nineteen. They're a dollar thirty-nine now. <laughs> I really enjoy them. I just kind of grew up eating them. And when I moved to Chicago, you couldn't get them anywhere. They don't sell them in the grocery store. This is the same brand that makes pizza rolls. Yeah, which I will say, I I do love pizza rolls and I do love bagel bites. Yeah, I mean. So I would go home to Kansas City and I would want to get a Totino's. You get a Totino's and you make the Totino's even better because you put extra mozzarella cheese on top of it. So (laughs) (laughs) just saying it is the quintessential. And here you get, you know, I just enjoy it. I don't even I'm like flab. I'm I'm speechless over here because I have so much love for the Totino's (laughs) pizza. And now I can replicate the crispy hey, crust. They in do the RV. fit in a toaster oven. So they that's sure good. do. They sure do. And I have passed that love along to our 10 year old. <laughs> he loves them as well. He does. <laughs> anyway, but back to the article, which is really the main point of this conversation. It's, it's a good it's a good bit of information about sort of getting around, have not having an oven in your RV if you don't. I really liked the way that he talked to about using one pot meals. Yeah. And not necessarily having to make one pot because you're making pasta or a soup or stew, but cooking chicken and then putting potatoes around it and just having one pot or one pan. Yeah, if you don't want to dirty a bunch of stuff, just cook in one pan. You can take stuff out and put something else in and then you combine it all in the end, however you do it. But you can just, you don't have to cook with four pans on four burners. No, you don't. Um, Especially because a lot of RVs don't have four burners. No, they really don't. Uh, does anybody? I, I've never used four burners. I think the only time I've used four burners is at Thanksgiving. And Maybe. I probably wasn't really using four burners, but I was watching someone else use four burners, <laughs> if Maybe. we're honest. <laughs> you <laughs> making that stovetop stuffing. <laughs> Another piece of RV Miles Network news the new episode of the America's National Parks podcast is up. This week's episode focused on uh, one of our favorite national parks, Voyagers National Park, and the Voyagers. The Voyagers. And this is a park we've discussed in a previous podcast episode. And, you know, for the life of me, I don't even remember which episode it was. But we've talked about Voyagers, and we really do love it. And I challenge anyone who listens to this new episode of America's National Parks podcast to not have that song of the Voyager stuck in your head when you're done listening to it. The Voyager were, they were men who rode canoes to trade fur 14 hours a day for 12 to 16 weeks at a time. 3,000 miles they covered from Montreal down to Lake Athabasca. It's, it's an incredible tale and uh, we're excited to share it with you. So check that out. We'll link to that in the show notes. And that leads perfectly into our next piece of news which is also national park related yeah so in in real news in in non-rv, <laughs> in miles, non-RV miles news news <laughs> the department of the interior which oversees the national park service you may have heard we talked about it quite a bit in the past there was a proposal for a massive fee increase at most of the major national parks the ones that 17. already charged 25 30 yeah. bucks to get in Already, they were talking about raising those fees by an additional $70 in some cases. And the Department of Interior is backing off of that proposal and will not be increasing the fees in those parks by that much. Yeah. So the deal was was it was going to go up to $70. That was going to be the cost to get in. And it was going to go across 17 major parks. And back over the holiday season around Thanksgiving, they were soliciting comments from the public and they ended up with over 50,000 comments. The majority of them were not positive comments. A lot of people were very upset about this and they listened. And while they're taking that $70 off the table, 
they have said that the rates are going to go up, but that they're going to go up 10, 15 percent, perhaps a more reasonable and realistic price hike. They say that it has to happen. They haven't raised prices in over a decade. Parks that still have free entrance are going to continue to have free entrance. They're also saying in this article, and we'll link to it, there's an RV Miles article about it. We'll link to it in the show notes. They're also saying that they're going to be raising the senior pass as well as the yearly annual pass by as much as $20. Yeah, and I I think everybody, for the most part, understands that fees are going to go up now and then, especially as inflation goes up over time. So I think a reasonable fee increase of 10% or 15% is understandable. $100 uh, for a senior pass, which is good for the rest of your life, is and, and gives you half price off camping, is, is still a huge bargain. It's still a huge bargain. It's a huge jump from a year ago when it was $10. It was $10 and it went up to 80 and uh, and, and now, now it may go up to 100 yeah. There's nothing set in stone yet. They're just toying with ideas but the thing that you know a lot of people say well the parks need to increase fees because they need to cover this massive maintenance backlog they're they're falling apart there's a lot that needs to be done in a lot of these places and they're overcrowded people claimed that this would also keep the overcrowding of the parks from becoming a really major issue and it is an issue that's yeah but i i don't think i think a lot of people feel as though Cutting back on the crowds by raising prices is is not very fair to people who can't afford it. Right. It prices certain people out. And I think that from some of the comments that we read, because the Washington Post broke this story a couple of days ago and they actually were given by the interior all 50,000 comments and they shared some of those in their article. And it did seem to be the majority of the comments were saying, you're pricing people out. If you're going to charge $70 for me to get into Yellowstone, I have to think about going somewhere else for my family's vacation. And so I appreciate that they listened to that because I think that that was a really important component is that the parks need to be accessible for all, not just some. It's sort of the Disney World effect. It's coming to the point where a majority of families cannot afford to go to Disney World anymore. It's becoming so well, expensive. And you see a lot of people compare it and they say, oh, it's still a bargain at $70 because, oh, well, they could go to Disney World and that's going to cost you a ridiculous amount of money. It's still a bargain. Well, most people can't afford to go to Disney World. No, Sorry. and Disney World is a private organization. <laughs> yeah. It's a private and, company. And this is our national these parks. Lands. And, I, you know, it's not a political argument. I don't want to make that here. No. But, but the idea that fees need to increase to cover this maintenance, this $11 billion maintenance backlog, is a little hilarious because if you actually do the math, fees would need to increase by up to like $500 a car. Yeah. And visitor levels would need to remain the same. That means everybody would need to be able to afford that $500 a car. To cover the maintenance backlog in, say, 10 years. Yeah, because the maintenance backlog they're it's, claiming is $11 billion. There are folks who say $11 billion is not the true maintenance backlog. It's actually more like $3 billion, And that $11 billion number is, is used by both sides of the aisle to sort of pander and, and use the national parks as a bargaining chip in, in political negotiations. And really, a lot of that $11 million backlog includes... Billion, honey. I'm sorry, billion. $11 billion backlog. Yeah, we wish it was $11 million. A large portion of it includes federal highways like the Blue Ridge Parkway Yeah, that, that really ought to be considered you know, as part of federal highway funds, but they're covered by the National Park Service. A lot of it is just projects that some of the national parks want to do. They're not necessarily things that have to be done. So they really say that the the number is closer to three billion. We did a whole breakdown of this back in November, I think. Uh, we'll link to that as well. But you know, suffice it to say that the the fees are going to increase a bit. It's not going to solve any of those problems that exist in national parks, uh, and those still need to be addressed. Absolutely, and I 
do appreciate that the people were listened to in this case and that so many people did get out and share their thoughts on it because I think that did make a huge difference. This is not a story that's just going to go away overnight. We're going to be talking about the future of the national parks for a really long time to come because there's some tough decisions that need to be made. And I'm going to be really curious to see how it's going to, it's all going to shake down. All right, let's take a break and let's. we'll come back and talk about one of these national parks, Petroglyph National Monument. Be right back. All right, we are back and we are here to talk about Petroglyph National Monument. But first, we have to give you the answer to last week's brain teaser. The all-important part of the podcast. The most important yeah, part. Yeah, absolutely. Some may say. <laughs> like you. Hey, and let me tell you, uh, we got a lot of answers to this one. Yeah, this was, I, I think I say this every week, this was a good one, but it was because it was tricky. You really had to be listening to it. And I loved that so many people wrote in. All right, it went like this. A Japanese ship was en route to a mission in the foreign seas. The captain of the ship felt tired and thought of taking a shower. Before showering, he removed his diamond ring and Rolex and kept them on the table. When he returned from showering, he found that the ring and watch were stolen. He called the five members of the crew, whom he suspected, and asked them what they were doing for the last 15 minutes. The cook, with a butcher knife in his hand, said, I was in the fridge room getting meat for cooking. The engineer, with a high-beam torch in his hand, said, I was working on the generator engine. The seaman said, I was on the mast correcting the flag, which was upside down by mistake. The radio officer said, I was trying to make contact with the company to inform them of our position. The navigation officer said, I'm on night watch, so I was sleeping in my cabin. Upon listening to them, the captain caught the lying member. Who do you think stole the valuables? You know what I love, too, about the emails that we got is a lot of them said it was the sneaky sailor. Like, they all called him the sneaky sailor because the Japanese flag is just a circle. Yes. It's a the red circle in the center. So it can't be upside down. So, of course, it was the sailor. But everyone <laughs> referred to him as the sneaky sailor. It was so cute. <laughs> All right. So the winner of this week is Jennifer Martinson. Congratulations, Jennifer. From Indiana, who will be receiving a Not All Who Wander Are Lost t-shirt from our new collection of t-shirts that is going to be expanding here very soon. I've got some cool new designs coming. So we've got a Not All Who Wander Are Lost one, and we have a Home is Where We Roam one, and we have some uh, historic vintage National Park Service poster ones coming very soon. So congratulations, Jennifer. And we will have the new brain teaser at the end of the show. So as we mentioned at the top of the show, this episode is all things Albuquerque, New Mexico, a wonderful, wonderful town we really enjoyed. And we want to talk for a bit here about the National Park Service destination in Albuquerque, which is Petroglyph national monument this was a really fun afternoon we spent it there with another traveling family and you can easily spend not just a couple hours you could spend the whole day there there's several different hiking trails you can take and the park itself is really big it's seven thousand acres you could spend as little or as much as you'd like here. It's one of those places where you would get a lot going by for an hour or so. Most, I wouldn't say that about most National Park Service destinations, but you could go for an hour and just walk some of the shorter trails at the visitor center and you'll see some petroglyphs and you'll have a good experience. You'll also spend that hour, at least 20 minutes of it, watching the park video, which is Probably the longest Great park, park video and probably one of the longest we've seen. Yeah. And it explains 
how Petroglyph National Monument was created. And I'll sort of give you my synopsis from what I can remember. Volcanic rock, this rock created by a lava flow thousands of years ago, and the soil underneath the lava flow ended up washing out, and and then the lava rock collapsed. So it's just piles and piles and piles of these giant volcanic rocks. And over the centuries, they developed a a patina. They call it a desert patina, which turned them black. And they are covered with Native American petroglyphs, which are etchings into the rock of all kinds of different pictures. They're different from pictographs, which are usually done with some sort of paint. A petroglyph is an actual carving into the rock. And the story of this national monument, I think, is really interesting as well, because here you have this large piece of land sort of slapped down right in the middle of Albuquerque. And that's exactly how this national monument came to be. It's a very young national monument. It was established in 1990, and it was established out of the need to protect because the urban life was encroaching on this space. It was attacking it, housing. There are houses butted right up against this national monument. You could own a home and walk out of your backyard and jump on a trail and then go and see hundreds of the over 20,000 petroglyphs that are in this 7,000 acre national monument. It's really incredible. And I think that piece of history where the community stepped in and said, we have to protect this. It's so important to the Native Americans. It is their history. And we cannot allow this home development, this housing development to just tear this all down. Yeah. And and partially because of that, there isn't a ton of other nature to see here, as opposed to some of the other national monuments, like we were just at Bandelier, and we'll talk about that next week. Bandelier is some amazing cliff dwellings, but then there is so much more natural landscape to this massive park. Petroglyph is really about going to see the petroglyphs. And there, there are, like Abby said, over 20, I think over 24,000. Yeah. And they're different shapes of different things that nobody really knows for sure what they are. Some of them are kind of obvious. Some of them, you know, might be a roadrunner or a hand, but you don't know what they mean or why they're there. So the fun of it is going and especially if you have kids looking at them and interpreting them and thinking what you might think they mean. Yes. And the Junior Ranger booklet for Petroglyph National Monument does a really good job of encouraging children to look at these petroglyphs and kind of form their own ideas about it. And I really appreciated that about the booklet because it did spark a lot of discussion out on the trail, but then it also sparked discussion between the kids and the ranger And they would ask or she would ask and they would have a back and forth on ideas. And I thought that that was really cool to listen to. We had five children total, our three, and then a family that had their two kids. And each kid had something different to say. And while you were talking about Bandelier and how massive Bandelier National Monument is, I think Petroglyph is a really great representation of what the National Park Service stands for. It's this small monument stuck inside this big city that is saving an incredibly important part of our nation's history. And I love that idea that a national monument, a historical site, it can just be a part of the community that it was a part of before there was actually a community surrounding it. And they jumped in and they saved it. So when you're there, you feel like you are a part of something that was saved from everything else around it. You can still look around and see a Valvoline oil change is at the trailhead of the trail that we went on. I could jump over and get an oil change. That's how much. And that might not be appealing to a lot of people. No. But, but it it is it is really cool. It What I love about it is it's so 
personal. Yes. You can see, you can go see these other Native American sites and see the structures that have been built and see the homes that these people lived in. But to see something, somebody actually carved, a, a, a picture, a shape, it's personal. I mean, you can imagine them standing there and doing that. And it wasn't just one particular span of time. You know, we're talking between four and 700 years ago. So these were ancient Pueblos as they moved through the area, adding to the story. And so you're having images that span centuries. And, you know, the thing with the Valvoline was just the fact that, like, that's how close the urban life had gotten to this space before people had to step in and say, no, no, no. And I, that's such an interesting juxtaposition for me. You know, you go out on these trails and you think you're going to kind of escape into nature. But in this particular instance, you, you can't because urban life has just gotten so close to these petroglyphs. So there are three short trails by the visitor center. And you can do all of those trails within the span of about an hour. And you're going to see about 300 petroglyphs there. We went over instead to the Piedras Marcadas, I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong, Canyon. Yeah, and that was about an 11-mile drive away from the visitor center. Yeah, because the, the monument is kind of long and skinny. So you take a long ride. The The map they give you, not so good. <laughs> that map, I don't Follow even... the written st- instructions and not the, the, not the map they give yeah, you. I came across that map as I was cleaning up and getting ready for us to travel yesterday. And I was still looking at it and I was like, I don't understand how they put this together. Well, the, they missed the first turn. Yeah. The most important. So turn, if the you one... don't do the first turn, <laughs> you're kind of screwed for the rest yeah. of it. And, you know, before we move over to that trail in that canyon, I wanted to say, too, I had someone ask me on Instagram if we had driven the bus there and what was RV parking like in that area? Not really any. And yeah, that's what I said. I said, we did not drive the bus through Albuquerque. I think you probably could have done that just fine. We we drove on the interstate through Albuquerque on our way there, but we did not drive through. Yes. It's a big town. It's It's a a big big city. But the parking lot for the visitor center does not represent, is not big. It's very small. And if, you know, one RV gets in there, sure. I don't know if two or three could get in there. So that's something to keep in mind, too, if you're wanting to just pass through for a couple of hours. Maybe check on their website. There might be a place that they, you know, they recommend RVs park. Perhaps. And definitely there was no RV parking at the trailhead for this trail that we went to, the, the Piedras Mercados Canyon. No, there was probably enough parking for, like, 15 cars. Yeah. If that. Yeah. And, and, you know, unless, of course, you have a small class B RV or something like that. Yes. Your little road trucker. Right. (laughs) Uh, There is a a restroom at the visitor's center, a small one, um, and not a lot of other services, no camping, anything like that. But we went over to this Piedras Mercados Canyon trail, which uh, maybe took us an hour and a half, two hours to do with kids climbing around. Yeah, we stopped a lot. like that. There was a lot of imaginative play happening because they had friends with them. And yeah, there was a lot going on. The reason we went over to this trail is this one has thousands of petroglyphs on it, as opposed to the 300 you might see by the visitors. Which is still a large number, but... Thousands. Yeah. All over the place, way up high, down low. I have to say, our kids did some climbing on the rocks. I'll just put that out there. Yeah. The they told us, oh, go over to this trail at the visitor center because the kids will love climbing on the rocks. We were really torn about this. Now, after the kids started climbing on the rocks, then we read in the the little trail guide, please stay off the rocks. Yeah, it was really confusing because everyone else was doing it too. Right. And the ranger that we talked to, and we talked to a ranger, not a volunteer, a ranger specifically pointed us to this trail. For that reason, that families love this trail because kids can climb all now, over the place. Of course, we didn't let them touch the petroglyphs. No, they had to stay off anything that had an image yeah. of it. We that we just couldn't, you know, let them be free and wild. 
But I really struggled with that because it is sort of ingrained in us at this point that you stay on the trail. And the kids were a little apprehensive at first, too. So I can't say that we did the right thing. I can't say that we did the wrong thing. There was a lot of conflicting information, but we were not the only ones doing it. So clearly others yeah. had been given a green light or felt that a green light was presented to them. I think had we had seen that in the guide beforehand, we would have kept our kids off of them. But once they were on them and had been for a while and everybody else was, it was kind of like, well, yeah, uh, we'll let them continue, I guess. I don't know if I went back, even if I had and we did have the blessing. I don't think I I don't think I will let them. I just it didn't feel it didn't feel right. It didn't feel right. And I want them to be able to explore in, in that way. I love any time they're given like at White Sands, anytime they're given an opportunity to explore the national park in their in whatever way appeals to them to go where they're led. And they were really having a great time. But it even sitting here talking about it, I, I feel very conflicted. Yeah. So that's pretty much petroglyph. I mean, you you get what you you think you're gonna get. Yeah, the name there. is not misleading you in get any petroglyphs. way. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you get some really beautiful petroglyphs. They're, they're beautiful, they're cool. It's kind of like going to a museum and studying the art and trying to figure out personal meaning for yourself. If you, again, if you're looking for some crazy, beautiful nature other than the petroglyphs, this really isn't the place for that. But it's well worth a stop if you've got just an hour, if you've got all day. And we really enjoyed our time there. We did. And the boys got a badge and a patch from petroglyphs. So thank you for that. All right. Let's take a break and come back and talk about all the other things that we enjoyed in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Like the mall. (laughs) The mall. Oh, boy. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Okay, so... Albuquerque, New Mexico. You got your Petroglyph National Monument. Yeah, you can get your National Park fix in, and then you can go and get your, I need to just be in an urban dwelling doing urban things fix as <laughs> That's well. Right. Whatever that means to you, it means a lot of different things to other people. Some people, it's, I can't get out of the city fast enough. Mm-hmm. I'm just here for the National Monument. We had spent uh, quite a bit of time in fairly rural areas a few weeks before we made it up to this area. Yeah. So it was nice to have some civilization. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I said on last week's podcast, I was jonesing for a mall. <laughs> I mean, and I'm going to own it. And we you know? went to a mall. We did there. And we did. We went, we had dinner in the food court. We walked around. We had dinner in the food court of a mall. We did. I had Chipotle and I'm not even going to apologize <laughs> for it. It was really good. And I, I had Chipotle. Panda Express. <laughs> that you might need to apologize for. <laughs> <laughs> and Ethan had Johnny Rockets and yep. everybody had something different. <laughs> well, you know what? When you have a, yes, when you, you have a family as eclectic as ours is when it comes to eating, everyone has very specific tastes. A place where you can all come together at one table, but have 15 different choices around you feels really good. <laughs> So that was a lot of fun, but that is not all that Albuquerque no, is about. A lot more. Let's not even just chalk it up to a mall. Like I said before, it is a big town. We it was the first time we had seen high rise buildings since mm, Oklahoma City. Maybe. In fact, Ethan pointed that out in the car. He said, "Look, there's a building that has <laughs> three stories," and we hadn't really realized that it had been a while since we had been in a fairly large city. And especially as being Chicagoans, it is very strange to not see tall buildings on a very regular basis. But it was great. I think that we appreciated Albuquerque a little bit more because we had had such a long stretch where we had been in a lot of more rural areas. And so to get in and have, you know, wonderful museums and kind of a lot of 
opportunities for art around us and different choices of things we could do every single day that reminded us a little bit of home because the kids have been a little homesick for Chicago recently. And we met uh, a family at the Coach D Lake Campground and we got to explore Albuquerque with them. We made a, a couple different dates for, for visiting different things. We explored uh, Albuquerque and then we went to Bandelier with them later on as well. So that was really nice for the kids to be able to do. And it was nice for us adults friends. too, yeah. because we had the opportunity to have the kids off and playing with their friends and then sit and talk with other adults about adulting. I mean, I don't know. Like <laughs> it was just nice to have some company on these adventures. We actually met a lot of people at this campground. It was kind of the first time in quite a while that we've really made a lot of friends and yeah. met people and 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 uh, and this people that we're going to keep in touch with. Yeah, this is the social hub campground. Apparently, <laughs> the Friday night, last Friday night, we just had people in and out of our campsite, and I just sat out there with a drink, and a car came by and was like. Would your kids want to play with our puppy who's been in the car all day long? And we were like, sure, come on over. And the kids played with the puppy and the couple sat with us. And it was a really social campground. I loved it. I didn't want to leave. I wanted to extend our yeah. two weeks. But, you know, they don't want you to stay longer than two weeks. You got to go. So one of the. So anyway, we'll talk more about that when we talk Santa Fe. But one of the great things about Albuquerque is they have some really great museums. And we got to check out three, no, two, I'm sorry. We checked out two. We checked out the New Mexico Museum of Natural History and Science. And then right across the street was the Explora Children's Museum and Science Center. And both are reciprocals for our membership with the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago. Yeah, so we got in totally free. Got in totally free. They were Awesome museums. Yeah. So, so great. So let's talk about the Natural History and Science Museum first. If you like dinosaurs, this is the place to go to see dinosaurs. Absolutely. And it is what I liked about this museum is it is a New Mexico museum. It is not just the Museum of Natural History and Science in New Mexico. It is about New Mexico's natural history and science. So. A lot of the dinosaur stuff, you got to see maps of where different dinosaur skeletons were found in New Mexico. And some of them were at places that we had been. Mm -hmm. So it kind of tied together a lot of our experiences in New Mexico where we got to see, oh, this T-Rex skeleton was actually found at Elephant Butte, which is where we just were staying. Or there were even dinosaurs that were specific just to this yeah. area. And while we went as a family, you absolutely could enjoy this museum without kids, on your own, without anyone else, just by yourself. It's a really great laid out museum that's going to give you a huge millions, billions of years overview of the New Mexico area. And I will say it is probably 70% a dinosaur museum. There's a little space section. There, there. Yes. There is a space section. There is a sort of conservation, global warming section, but it is mostly walking through different ages mm -hmm. uh, of, of time and getting to see not only dinosaurs. What I, one thing that I hadn't seen before, or at least in a while maybe, there's a section of this museum that is sort of about earlier mammals. So you get to see some fossils and some some recreations and some paintings of like the evolution of horses. Yeah, that was really interesting. That room. Now I'm remembering what you're talking about. Yeah. That room that had the mural that showed the evolution of the horse. That was really cool. And our kids immediately clicked onto that. And then there were a couple other murals that were displaying animals mammals prior to what we know them as today because we get to we see a lot of things in in media about what the earth looked like when dinosaurs roamed it 
but we don't see a lot about what it looked like 500,000 years ago. Yeah. And that was new to me. Yeah, that was a really neat section. I would also highly recommend you take a ride on the elevator. Evolator. The The elevator. Yeah, that's the two. Okay, I had it flipped. I was trying to put elevator in Mm -hmm. front. The elevator. You will stand there and you will think it's not working because it starts like every 15 minutes. You'll stand there and you'll go, oh, have I been standing here for nothing for 15 minutes? These elevator doors open and you walk in and (laughs) it's a little... It's a little room with a TV screen that and man, makes, is it makes it look like a time machine. Yeah, it's but super the floor dated, moves. but it's so fun. <laughs> and there's lots of flashing lights. It's a lot of fun. It's it's cool. It's a great museum. We really yeah. enjoyed it. Across the street, then, is Explora, which is the the Albuquerque Children's Museum. Yeah, and we probably will not spend as much time talking about this one because I will say this was a great museum for the kids, but it's a very typical children's museum so if you've been in one children's museum then you know how this one's going to play itself out what i did like about this one though is i thought there was more in this children's in this museum explora for children and and adults to interact together than a lot of children's museums that we've been to that's a good point i will agree with you on that one in that respect it is very different i immediately think of the louisiana children's museum very different from that the kids really loved, and I actually got into this with them too. There was a room that you would go into and it had a big projection screen on one wall. And you would grab a piece of paper that had a, a printout already on it of a spaceship, a Like house. an outline. Yeah, like an outline of a spaceship, house, or truck. And you would color in that outline, take it over to a scanner. It would get scanned and then put up onto this 3D world that was on the projection screen. Yeah, it screen. got turned three-dimensional and became your truck would be driving around on the streets of this little town. The kids spent an hour in this place. They just thought it was so amazing. And every time one of their images popped up, they were so proud. They were so into it that I felt left out that by the end of it, I too was drawing my own truck, my own spaceship, and I was not the only adult doing it. There were also a lot of areas to experiment with things like mechanics and and simple machines. I really liked that. It's just a really well done museum. What I also thought was great about Explorer was the prices. Yeah, very, very reasonably priced. I think it was $8 for an adult and $5 for a child. Yeah. Very well. That's rare for a children's museum. That's yeah. really rare. So we had those kind of filled two days, and that that was great. There's tons more you can do in Albuquerque as well. We del- Of course, it's known for the Balloon Festival. Yes. If you want to come experience the Balloon Festival, make your reservations. You're going to need to make well, your reservations. Well, yeah. well, in advance. I think they're booking for 2024 at this point. <laughs> it's very popular. But what we did that was sort of our natural experience, other than petroglyph, that the cool thing about Albuquerque is it's up against a large mountain range, the the Sandia Mountains. The views around this city are spectacular. This is one of the reasons why it's on our shortlist, not only because of so much you can do inside the city, but the access that you have to nature around the city, the hiking, this and I'll let you tell it, this drive that we took, just amazing. So we drove up to Sandia Peak, which is 10,760-some feet elevation. Yeah, 10,000. And you get to drive up there. Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful drive. There's a ski area up there as well, if you're interested in, in skiing. It wasn't open still for the season. But we get up there, and, and the cool thing is, in a lot of these New Mexico mountain ranges is that the land is like incredibly flat at the bottom of them. So it's not, you're at the top of a mountain peak and you see next to you another mountain peak and a little valley and another mountain peak. You just see flat below you. You're so high up there. Yeah. So we drive all the way to the top and it was a very windy day. If I, if I could do it all over again, a, we would, go and spend more time up there Mm -hmm. and B, we would go on not such a windy day. Well, because in typical Upperson traveling fashion, we did this on like our last day. We just, you know, discovered it. And we were actually planning on driving into Santa Fe. Yeah, we were on because the campground 
the Cochi Lake campground is a half hour from Santa Fe and it's an hour from Albuquerque. We were planning on going into Santa Fe and having dinner and, and such. And then literally on the drive, before you decide whether to turn left or right, we decided, hey, let's just go to Albuquerque let's right now. Al- let's just go to Albuquerque. Let's just do that instead. So we did. And we were planning on doing this drive. And then we started to decide that maybe we wouldn't because it might take too long. Don't give all of our secrets away about how <laughs> indecisive we are. I mean, it's already established. Finally, but- <laughs> we decided, well, we don't have something else to do. It's this or we go back to the mall. And uh, nature or the mall. That's what we were trying to decide. We, between. we, chose, we chose nature, nature. <laughs> and we're so glad we did. It was yeah. maybe from downtown Albuquerque. It was maybe an hour 15. Yeah, a little bit less. Oh, no, it was 45 minutes from from downtown Albuquerque from the Target. Yeah, because <laughs> we had to go to a Target from the Target. It was 45 minutes up. And, and it was a beautiful wonderful drive. drive and lots of trails along the way. So that's why I wish we had spent a whole day because I would have loved to stop. There's a trail right at 10,000 feet. I would have loved to stop and done the, they call it the 10,000 trail. Love to done that. There are a lot of different places to explore on the way up this peak. And, and, uh, when you get up there, there's a cafe there's and a, a cafe. gift shop. They weren't open. Yeah. I think right now at this time of year, they're only open on the weekends. And, and restrooms. and Restrooms. They were locked, however. There's also a tram you can take from the base that'll take you all the way yeah, up. Yeah, I would love to do that. It's sort of a gondola type tram thing. I don't know if I love it for the $25 a person It's 25 price. a I mean, person. That's a lot. That's a lot. But if you don't want to take this big scenic drive, that it would be beautiful to go up the side in, in, in the tram. Yes, it absolutely would. We did not get to spend as much time up at the top as we would have liked to. It was incredibly windy. The kids were a little scared, a little nervous of the wind, and it was very windy. Jack and I just sort of took a peek, and Ethan and Henry I took them back to the car. stayed at the car. Yeah. And we sort of traded off, and Abby went up on her own from the parking lot, because the parking lot area, you take like a really short walk up to the, up to the observation post deck yeah and that's something new we are learning to adjust to is that it does seem like we have two young kids that are really struggling with heights yeah the heights was more of the issue for Ethan. yeah it's really about being high up we experienced that with him at bandolier on some of the hikes that we were on so that's something new for our family that i think you and i we don't have on our radar. And so when we got up there and we started taking everyone up to the top to the observation and didn't realize we were going to have a kid just kind of start shaking and melting down. But that's what we had. But and they still really loved it. And they were they glad loved we went the up. drive. It, he was totally fine once we went back to the car mm-hmm. and he was able to be in the car and, and we talked and he was fine. It's just something that we will have to be mindful of as we continue on our travels. And we got to see some really cool wildlife on this drive as well. Oh, man, there were some the wild deer. turkeys crossing the road and then deer that we, we turned one bend and looked out the right window and not 15 feet from the car were five deer all lined up just staring at us. Just staring at us. Just <laughs> Just wondering what we were doing in their home. I never think of deer being up that high. I mean, they were up at the top. We were almost at the top still. I don't think of deer going up that high, 10,000 feet, but they were. And and then we saw more deer on the way down. We did. So in a nutshell, a really big nutshell, this is one of those must-do things in Albuquerque. Yeah. Absolutely, whether you take the tram or you drive your car. And you get to overlook the whole city from up there. Yeah, you cannot drive an RV up there. There is no RV parking. Well, I, I you could park an RV up there. I wouldn't really? want to drive it. Yeah, you you didn't see it. There's a whole nother giant parking lot oh, below okay. the parking lot we I were in. I take that back. I take it back. Uh, and there is a fee up there. It's a fee area. This is it's part of a national forest. So if you have a annual pass, that covers it. Otherwise, there's a three dollar per car fee to park up there, and you just you have to pay a little envelope. Mm-hmm. If, honor if system. You've got honor system. Uh, well, you put a receipt on your car, and I guess they could ticket you if they wanted to. But you know, if you've got the pass, you just throw it in your wind your uh, windshield. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a must do visiting Albuquerque. 
I, I was blown away by the view. Yeah, we had a great time. We look forward to coming back to Albuquerque. Absolutely put it on your travel list if you're going to be here in the Southwest. And on that note, let's wrap not only our time in Albuquerque up, but let's wrap this podcast up. Let's do that. Let's get to this okay. this week's brain teaser. I got it. Got it here somewhere. It's in my pocket. Right? Where is it? Okay, here we go. There are seven sisters in a house in a village where there is no electricity or any gadget. Sister one is reading a novel. Sister two is cooking. Sister three is playing chess. Sister four is playing Sudoku. Sister five is washing clothes. Sister six is gardening. What is sister seven doing? I feel so bad for the sister that's washing clothes. That has nothing to do with answering the question, but she really got the shaft. Yeah. In this well, one. one's cooking too. Yeah, but maybe she's like making a I'd cake. rather cook than wash clothes yeah, for I sure, mean, though. I know you would. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> that's okay. I'd rather wash clothes, I guess, than cook. If you know the answer, send us an email at editor at rvmiles.com and you may win a very cool new RV Miles themed t shirt. All right. I think that does it for this week. I think it we does. have exhausted the Albuquerque discussion. And we've almost exhausted New Mexico. If we you have. If you're a little over us talking about New Mexico. Sorry. <laughs> we've been here for almost three months. We know. But hey, we're but hey, headed we're towards the, California. And we're so. on the uh, Colorado-New Mexico border now. We are. So we're, we're almost out of here. And we have loved this state. Next week will probably be our last podcast on this state. But it has been a absolutely wonderful experience. But we're moving on. We're moving on to, to Zion. Things. And I cannot wait. Mm-hmm. Zion, we're coming for you. Get ready for the Uppersons. So, all right, you guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening to the RV Miles podcast. If you're enjoying it and you haven't hit that subscribe button yet, please do. Please share us around your social media if you're so inclined or throw a five-star review on iTunes our way. Either way, and whatever you do, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Keep logging those RV miles. Goodbye. Goodbye.